If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Hello everybody, Andy Burt here with episode 51 of the Early Excellence Podcast. This week I'm joined by my colleague Luella Ivans as we explore one way that learning is planned for in advance. We're going to take a close look at topics, themes and schemes. So here you go. Okay, so within this episode, what we're going to do is we're going to explore really quite a hot topic at the moment in terms of EYFS practice, and that is we're going to talk about all kinds of different things in relation to topics, in relation to themes, and in relation to schemes of work as well. Because really, I think the landscape over the last few years really has changed quite a bit. Um, in terms of practice, we've seen the introduction, of course, of um, Department for Education verified schemes for literacy and for mathematics. And of course, traditionally, we've always had an element of topics and themes within practice as well. So that kind of planned for structure um, that is there um, really usually at the start of a term or at the start of a at the start of a half term, a, a, an idea of a topic or a theme or a structure that schools will work with. And so I think it's quite interesting, really, to explore topics, themes and schemes in that it works differently for different people. There's something quite, I suppose, quite personal about it in that different adults, different members of the team, different members of your team will have different views, will respond differently to structures in terms of practice. So in my work, in our work for Early Excellence, we meet schools, of course, and, and teachers and practitioners where in early years, where actually they don't really have that much structure. What they work from are the children's interests and they perhaps build up certain themes working from the children's interests and work from there. And that very much works for that team or some teams and then but then that's one end of the spectrum and at the other end of the spectrum you've got a very highly structured approach where you've got the the literacy and the mathematics schemes alongside that you've got a structure in terms of topics that feeds into the school plan you've got all of that going on as well and there's nothing really right or wrong in either side um, you know, we're not here to sort of say one's, one's right and one's wrong, but I do think it's quite interesting to explore how actually we are all providing the YFS framework, the statutory framework, and yet quite often we do it in different ways. And it's quite interesting, I think, to explore really what are the pros and cons of that? What are the benefits in terms of different approaches? What sorts of things do we need to consider and, and, and reflect on, really? So Luella and I, we, what we're going to do is we're going to explore that, that idea of topics, themes and schemes. So let's start with that idea of 
Let's start with topics, first of all. Luella, what do we mean by, um, by topics? What sorts of topics do you tend to, to what, what sorts of topics do you tend to um, come into to, to contact with that you're aware of when you work with schools and settings? Yeah, I think there's a lot, as you say, Andy, lots of schools and settings obviously do things in different ways. Um, and I think so lots of the same topics crop up time and time again. Um, and I think we see this in our Facebook group, lots of people talking about the same sorts of topics. So it might be at the start of the year, there might be a broad topic, kind of all about me or learning about me, myself, my school, my family, um, those sorts of settling in type topics. I think they often crop up um, because I think schools and teachers often think that actually by having a topic like that, it provides you with a little bit of a structure. And sometimes it, it might feel like it, it provides you with a bit of a rationale or a reason to spend time getting to know the children um, and really starting to um, find out about their family, find out about their home life, find out about their interests. And I think sometimes it can it can feel like a good excuse to do that um, or a good rationale, should I say, um, to actually spend time with the children in that way. So I think that's, that's a familiar one. Um, we often see schools that have topics around festivals. So things like topics around Chinese New Year or topics around Christmas or um, re other religious festivals that crop up throughout the year, such as Eid or Diwali. Um, and I think these can be quite a, a common um, topic to to teach through. Um, and I think often the it's done in that way because sometimes it can be seen as a good means to provide some enhanced provision provocations or things like that. And I think I think there's a there's a bit of a caveat there, isn't there? I think we always have to be careful that the topic isn't driving the learning um, and that we're not. We're not, you know, setting up enhanced provision um, just because we're looking at Chinese New Year and that's our fixed topic. I think there has to be a bit of flexibility in there as well, because we want children's inquiry really to lead the learning. Um, but there is, you know, there are some real benefits around around topics. Um, and I think sometimes they do provide a really useful structure. Um, and sometimes having a structure can be really helpful in certain circumstances, you know, particularly at the start of the year when you're wanting to get to know the children. Having a, a slight structure to that can be really helpful in guiding in guiding the learning. Um, so topics are really interesting. They're an interesting debate, I suppose. Um, and there are lots of benefits and there are some pitfalls as well. So we will explore that a little bit more um, today. And Andy, have um, in terms of kind of benefits around topics, in your experience, um, what do you kind of see as, as those benefits? I think, I think you're right. I think topics work really well as a starting point, but it's important that they're not just followed to the letter, I think. I think they should yeah. be. Ideally, they should be a starting point. So a kind of almost like a an inspirational starter, something that really gets us thinking together, working together, something that helps us to share information and talk about a range of things with it under one particular umbrella. So like you, you were saying, the, the kind of the all about me, traditionally that kind of all about me kind of topic can lead into conversations about 
who we live with, who's our, you know, who's in our family, um, where do we live, what's our journey to school like, um, all sorts of, you know, do we have pets, um, all kinds of different sorts of things that are, you know, just a really good structure, I think, to get to know our children, to build those relationships, really. However, at the same time, if we are, if we've written a topic that is sort of seven or eight weeks long, and we've written it before we meet the children, then you would think that actually after, you would hope really, I think, that after maybe three weeks, that you would have built some knowledge of your children and that the observations of your children wouldn't start to inform that planning. And I think in order to really get the most out of a topic, yes, there needs to be a certain structure. Yes, I think there needs to be a kind of an agreed direction of what we're going to be talking about and what we're going to be exploring and what books we're going to be using and all of those sorts of things. But I also think it needs a degree of flexibility um, so that by week three or week four, when the children actually showed us that they were interested in one particular aspect of what we've talked about so far, that we could explore that further, that we don't have to just leave it and move on to the next thing because that's what's in week four. We have we take the opportunity to respond to children's interests or to children's needs. You know, we'll have hopefully done a baseline or certainly be on the way to doing a baseline but that by that stage. So we will have built an idea of actually the children's needs and where they're at, and what what actually they really need in terms of learning and development. Uh, whereas a plan that's written weeks in advance can't always do that so I think we've got to be quite careful with it really um Absolutely. so yeah I, th I think a, a, a topic can be great there are certainly benefits I also think as well I, th I think a topic can be great for covering things that you think actually do you know what this isn't naturally going to come up you know, there are a certain number of things that you think actually across the year, this is naturally going to come up in our conversations and in our discussions with the children. Um, and this might vary from school to school and from catchment area to catchment area. You know, there are some some particular. So, for example, very multicultural schools where certain celebrations will come up quite naturally you know Eid as a celebration will come up quite naturally you know and and you want to really make a big thing of it but there'll be other schools other settings other catchment areas where actually we want our children to learn about that particular celebration but it won't come up naturally because the children haven't got experience of it and so we've got to think about actually then we might need a topic or a project to be able to, to build in those experiences. What sorts of experience? I think a good starting point at right at the very beginning of the year is what sorts of experiences do we want our children to have? You know, that kind of idea of, it's a bit like you sometimes see um, organisations like the National Trust do publications where they say, you know, there are a certain number of things that every child should should have had the opportunity to do by the time they're 10, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And I think actually that idea is quite an, a, quite an interesting idea to do in relation to the early years. You know, as you're planning out actually what it is you're going to cover across the year, having that list perhaps of what sorts of things do we want all of our children to have had experience of across our EYFS. You know, whether that be nursery or whether that be reception, what 
what sorts of experiences do we want them to have had? And if that's not going to come up naturally, if that's not going to occur naturally through conversation, through discussion, through play and all of those different things, then some things will need to be planned in. You know, some things will need to be planned in in order to broaden our children's experiences, really. So and I think a topic does do that. You know, a topic does provide you with the opportunity to do that. And I think I think as well, Andy, that that idea of thinking about those needs of the children and often that's something that's done as a whole school, isn't it? Upon creating that kind of school vision and your curriculum intent for the rest of the school. I think school schools are good you know they they know now that it's important to be thinking about that side of kind of cultural capital and and those experiences that the children in your catchment area need and that will be different from a school three miles down the road and that might be different from the school where your children go to school and actually that's what makes your setting different and that's what makes your children special and unique and I think it's really important that we we do acknowledge that sometimes things won't come up naturally um, and we we might want to explicitly go down that route with with certain topics or certain themes for our children um and i think that is one of the real benefits of of topics and themes is that actually you can feed into those whole school initiatives and you can really look at the your broad community of learners and obviously for some children naturally certain things won't crop up because they just don't know about them um or they haven't had exposure to it um, and it's our kind of duty, really, to expose them to that and to give them those opportunities. Um, so that's where it can be really beneficial. And I think I think uh, I suppose something that we need to be careful around is that those topics and themes don't become a big top down curriculum approach. Um, and I, I think I, I say that with caution, really, because often um where schools maybe have agendas around specific things that that children should leave the school being able to do, if we're not careful, it can narrow our curriculum to some extent. So I think it's important that if we are going down that topic-based route, that we we think about the idea of balance, really, um, and we think about how we can best meet the needs of our children alongside teaching them those things that we know we want them to have exposure to that perhaps won't come up naturally, um, as Andy says. Um, so I think it's just about being careful and thinking carefully. You know, having a topic in the early years, such as um, in a nursery class, such as space, um, is something that you would probably want to be very careful about because it's so abstract. Even to us as adults, it's hard to get our heads around. Um, So actually having a topic around space, I suppose you'd want to ask yourself that question as to to kind of why. Why are we teaching this? Why is this, um, you know, something that we want to be focusing on? Because you'll probably find that when you ask yourself those questions, when you come to answering those questions, you'll find that you go back to kind of the knowledge and skills that children are learning. And actually, we want to be teaching them knowledge and skills that one is age appropriate, but two is something that is relevant and real to children and something that they can um, hook future learning into as well. So 
with I think with topics and themes um, comes a bit of a caveat as to, you know, there are some real the real pros there. But I think it's always important to think about what topic is it that we're thinking about and why? What impact is that going to have on our children? Is there anything you wanted to add there, Andy? The other thing that I think is quite interesting to consider is starting points for topics. Um, so traditionally, I think that's it's something that where the ad, a topic would be something where the adult kind of brings the topic to the children. And this week or this over over these few weeks, we are going to be talking about this and we're learning all about this. And there's nothing really wrong with that at all. It has its place, as we've just talked about. But I also think it's quite interesting to kind of mix it up a little bit so yeah. that the children the children feel that, that they have a handle in it, that they that that what they were curious about, what they were asking questions about, led into a topic or project or theme. Um, and that I think I think key stage one practice is quite a good example of that. Or you know I think quite often effective key stage one practice can can often be a good example of that, where you might have say a, a topic based around um, that kind of life processes and living things maybe you know or the human body or something like that, and that traditionally you would you would have that topic all planned out for six or seven weeks you'd you'd go down to the storeroom the you'd go to the science resources you'd bring out the the topic box with all of the resources linked to the human body or to life processes and living things and you'd bring out all the the resources and they would they would come out to be used with the children for that block of time i think it's more interesting however to have some of those resources available over a longer period of time so for example uh, you know a, 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 a small model of a human skeleton perhaps or um a you know some x-rays or whatever it might be in a kind of an inquiry space within the classroom having those available over a longer period of time throughout the year perhaps means that you know you're going to be covering that topic you know you you know you've got it all planned you know it's all ready to go but actually you can decide when you're going to do it based on the curiosity of the children so you could say well actually you know this is the point children have been looking at x-rays that you know they've been talking about them a lot we've been asking loads of questions it's come up quite naturally through all sorts of different things and now is the point i'm going to roll out this topic because actually this is exactly the right moment where it's where they are. They will feel like we're doing it because they ask the questions. Do you see what I mean? So, it's, which is a kind of a subtle, a subtle balance, I suppose. You know, is that child led or is that adult led? Well, you could kind of argue either way. You know, the it's very powerful. Yeah, the resources have, that have ended are in the room not by accident, but because the adults have planned it. So it's adult led. It's all adult led to a certain extent. Um, but at the same time, there's a degree of more flexibility so that you are making sure that you provide the context and then you you kind of wait for the curiosity and the questions and then you're ready to go. Do you see what I mean? And I, I don't I don't think we do that enough, really. I think I, and that doesn't change the topic necessarily. 
but it's a, it's a different starting point. I, I think we, we probably don't think about that enough, really. I suppose it's about flexibility, isn't it? It's about being flexible with your timetable, with your uh, curriculum maps, with your the time that you dedicate to inquiry um, and time in the provision. I think sometimes we we hang on to our structure don't we <laughs> and they there yeah. can be a real place for that absolutely um and but actually we can become overstructured sometimes um and actually you, it doesn't mean just because you are you have a topic in mind doesn't mean we have to become overstructured with it that example that you've just given there Andy is a really good example of how you can still remain really flexible and you can combine children's interests with topics and themes um and it's it's about it being appropriate and that example of kind of key stage 1 you know living things and life cycles and life processes is something that is in the key stage 1 curriculum it's something that has to be taught, but it's also something that children are naturally interested in. So I think thinking carefully about how you approach topics, themes, and how you do that in conjunction with children's interests is really, really important. Absolutely. Um, I think uh, as well, I, th- I think the that idea of having having kind of set topic boxes that are all away until we get them out when we get to that point in the year works to a point but it doesn't really fit with that idea of of learning being embedded over time because resources are brought out for seven weeks at a time then they go away again and that doesn't really give the children the opportunity to revisit things and to come back to it and to talk about it again and do you remember when we did this and you know, and build on that learning over time. Whereas if you have some of those key science resources, some of those key geography resources like a globe and a map, um, and perhaps other materials as well, within your inquiry space, within the within a key stage one classroom, then actually that provides more opportunity, I think, for learning over time, for that, for that learning to be embedded in a way that a topic approach that just comes and goes, I don't think really does. It's certainly something to think about. Absolutely. And I think I think this this talk here around topics and themes ties in really well with, with that idea of kind of schemes of learning as well, doesn't it? Schemes of work. Um, because it works in the same way, really. Um, you know, if we're using off-the-peg curriculums, which I know lots of schools do use schemes of work that are very off-the-peg, um, you know, again, there are pros and cons to that. And I think thinking about that idea of learning over time and revisiting, rehearsing, consolidating learning, if you're teaching from a scheme, it's really important that we're not just teaching isolated direct teach lessons, you know, perhaps for maths as an example, or for writing, and then we just move on and forget about that. I think it's important that we are bringing that into the provision and we're ensuring that we are still meeting individual children's needs because, you know, off the peg schemes of work won't be right for every child in that class. Um, And it, it just in the same way as topics and themes, I think we have to be mindful and careful that we're not overstructured that we are ensuring that children have ample opportunities 
to explore those taught concepts, to practice, to try things out, to experiment, to inquire. And all those things will happen in the provision. So I think it comes back to the idea of there being a bit of a spectrum of approaches, really, Andy, would you say? Um, kind of from, from children's interests right the way through to kind of highly structured schemes of work and highly structured topics. And it's like Andy mentioned you know, right at the start of this podcast that actually, you know, at Early Excellence, we work with schools that, that do things in very different ways and, and schools will approach the UIFS in different ways. Um, you know, some schools will just have a solely child initiated following children's interests based curriculum and other schools will have a very highly structured um curriculum that includes lots of different kind of off the peg schemes of work and lots of structured topics. And I think it's important from both angles, really, that that we acknowledge where we're at as practitioners um, and we think about actually where are we at in terms of our practice? What is it that we do? Um, and what are kind of the benefits of that and what are the pitfalls of that? Um, because I think, you know, we we would argue really that a balance is what would work best. Would you agree, Andy? Um, yes, definitely. So, you know, you mentioned um, sort of literacy and math schemes, um, which, of course, as I mentioned just in the introduction, have become quite a big part of, of practice, haven't they, over the last couple of years? So, of course, we have the Department for Education verified schemes for literacy and for mathematics as well. And choosing those schemes has, of course, become a big had has become a big thing over the last couple of years. And then kind of fitting those schemes into our practice has become quite a big thing. In my experience over the last year, I think if we're not, from from, from the sorts of things that I've seen and the conversations that I've had with, with different teachers and practitioners, I think there is at times a danger that we end up seeing maths teaching as happening within one time in the day and literacy teaching happening at one time in the day. It's that timetabled slot, which that's not necessarily a reflection of the of the quality of, of the teaching, the directed teaching. It could be great. But I do think we lose some of the breadth of teaching when we only see it as happening at one time of the day. Absolutely. Whereas, of course, you know, effective phonics teaching is not just about teaching a particular um, phoneme or grapheme at one point in the day. But, of course, it's about that bigger picture of everything else you do. It's the balancing act that you mentioned before. It's the, it's the songs and the rhymes. It's the listening skills and the differentiating sounds, not just letter sounds, of course, but differentiating sounds, what used to be called those, called those phase one kind of activities. Um, the, all of those different things, the, the songs, the rhymes, the poems, the routines that happen, the the talk that happens that all of those different things that embed effective learning and lead to a bro I think a broader approach and generally more successful approach I think sometimes we're missing that I think we we miss it because we are kind of stuck to the the scheme really and the same for maths as well 
you know, if we only see maths teaching as happening at one time in the day, then we're less likely to see the mathematical potential of all sorts of other areas of our practice. We're less likely to think about the mathematical potential of being outdoors, for example, when actually outdoors provides all sorts of possibilities for mathematics. We're less likely to, to see the mathematical potential of the blocks area, when again, that provides a wonderful opportunity for, for really meaningful mathematics. We're less likely to think about the maths area and the resources and materials within it and how we can use them to, to support children's understanding in a very hands-on way, um, but also to embed, like we said before, embed learning over time so that it really becomes something that is not just learnt and then we move on, but is very much embedded as part of that, that routine of learning, if you like. So, yeah, um, again, schemes can be great, but we've got, I think it does come with a kind of a bit of a caveat. We have to, we do have to think about the bigger picture too, I think, really. If we only really think about one part of our practice like that, I think we lose something personally. I, th I, think, I think we end up missing opportunities to embed that teaching and learning over time. Absolutely. And that's such a crucial part of teaching, isn't it? It's such an important part that we are giving children opportunities to revisit prior learning and to build on that and to make those links, make those connections. Thinking about the characteristics of effective learning, those opportunities will come through that real balance between child-initiated um, learning and kind of schemes and topics you know it it's it's I suppose the word the word I'd be going for Andy would be approach with caution I think um, I was just thinking the um the if if so if people who are listening to this are going into September and they're thinking well crikey you know we do we do have topics that are bit struck a bit maybe overstructured or we do have our schemes in place but we don't really think beyond it what are the key things would you say that that people need to reflect on they're, they're kind of questions to ask yourself really yeah I think I think you want to be thinking about why why are we doing this that would always be my first question um why have we chosen to do this topic and what's the benefit of it for me as a teacher, in terms of perhaps baselining or in terms of perhaps assessment, but crucially in terms of the children, what's the benefit to the children? You know, as I mentioned before, something like teaching space in nursery, having a topic around space, is there a benefit there to teaching space in nursery? You know, you probably argue maybe not, um, but I think it's always, that would be the first question I would ask myself. What is the benefit of this topic? If I was to remove this topic tomorrow and I was to just run with children's interests, would that make a difference? Um, what, what's you, what would be your kind of one top question, Andy, that you would be asking yourself? I, I, think it, I think my question would be about that idea of the needs of the children. So it would be about what did we know about our children on entry? So um, what do we know about our children generally, perhaps over the information that we've gained maybe over a few years about our children and our catchment area? And does the approach that we have in place meet the needs of those children? We only have, of course, a limited amount of time. You know, a reception year goes by 
in the blink of an eye. You know, it, it, it just absolutely flies by. Everybody is always so surprised every year by how quickly it goes. You know, it's and yet at the same time, that time for children within the early years is incredibly valuable. You know, it's when children are learning to learn. Their learning attitudes and attributes are formed at that particular age and stage. They decide what they like, what they don't like in terms of learning, what they think they're good at or not good at. And I think sometimes when we focus such a lot on the curriculum content without thinking about the quality of the journey, then I think we lose something in terms of really building those young learners for the future. That it's not just about knowledge. It's not just about curriculum content, although both, of course, are important, but really about thinking about the bigger picture so that children develop as learners effectively. We're building those learners, really. And I think if we don't do that, then, yes, you might have that curriculum plan across the school, but you also might find that actually you get to year six or year five and those children are not independent thinkers or they're, you know, you have children who kind of are waiting for somebody to to mix the paint for them or to, you know what I mean, to, to bring the scissors around when actually earlier on in early years, children did that. You know, they, they were independent. They had those those opportunities to do that. So I think we have to think really about actually what are we aiming for? What, what will a typical child when they leave our early years be like? And how will we build on that across the school, moving on from that really over time? So how do topics, themes and schemes work for you and your EYFS team? Do you feel that they help you to provide a broad and a balanced curriculum? Do you feel that the learning is appropriate and meaningful? So when you think about your group of children, does the topic or the theme or the scheme that you have, does it meet their needs? Does it fit their needs? Is your approach flexible enough, would you say, for you to be able to respond to your children's interests and also to their needs as well? Really important questions, I think. Um, I hope that's given you lots to think about. Um, thank you again for listening, everybody. I hope that you found our discussions useful. Um, if you want to know more about building on children's interests as part of your approach or broadening your practice alongside a scheme like a math scheme or a literacy scheme, there are some great courses on the Early Excellence website that I think would really help. Um, we've put details within the podcast information so that you can it will take you straight to the early excellence website so you can read the course details okay thanks again everybody have a good week and we will see you next time